0: You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious.
1: Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation.
2: Some of us are allergic to one thing. Like cats. Some of us are allergic to lots of things.
0: Like cats and ragweed and dust mites and mold and peanuts and dogs and wheat and bees.
2: (laughs) Some of us aren't (laughs) allergic to anything. What's that like? I wouldn't know. Anyway, today we're going to find out what causes allergic reactions and why only some people get them. And we'll find out how doctors treat allergies and what new methods might be on the horizon. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and here with me today is 11-year-old Lily Beckhouse from Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Lily. Hello, Molly. This episode was sparked by an email that Lily sent to us describing how her allergies were going crazy thanks to all the pollen in the air. So, uh, Lily, what does it feel like when you have those allergies? Is it in the spring or is it all the time?
0: It's usually just in the spring. Um, My eyes get watery and, you know, my nose gets stuffy.
2: Do you sneeze a
0: lot? Well, not a lot, but I sneeze. You sneeze occasionally. And do you have other allergies too? Um, I'm allergic to peanuts and tree nuts and I grew out of a milk allergy.
2: And what's the one thing you wish people without allergies understood about what it's like for you when you have allergies?
0: That's actually hard. To yeah. That's think a hard about. question. Uh well I know it's kinda difficult not to be able to eat
2: Peanuts and nuts
0: and and if I do, I die.
2: <laughs> like, we don't want that to without happen. About the
0: risk of death while you're eating cake.
2: <laughs> yeah, so you have to be really careful about what you eat. Yeah. So if someone is eating peanuts near you, it's not a problem, but you just can't eat it yourself.
0: Yeah. Or I can't rub my face on it.
2: <laughs> we don't. We don't want to do that. But later in the show, we're going to talk to an allergist who's going to tell us about some of the new treatments they're developing for peanut allergies. And I'm also allergic to a bunch of things. I'm allergic to dust mites and cats and mold and pollen and ragweed and a bunch of other things. So I was also very curious to find out how and why we get allergies. And it turns out that our listeners are also very interested. A lot of people sent in questions about allergies, like Zachary.
1: I'm wondering what causes allergies.
2: Now, like a lot of topics we discuss on Brains On, some of the questions surrounding allergies are still a little bit of a mystery. We'll get to those in a minute, but first we're going to start with something that scientists understand pretty well.
0: What happens in your body when you have an allergic reaction? It all
2: starts the very first time you encounter whatever it is you're going to be allergic to. Like, say you breathe in some pollen.
0: (gasps) To your body, this pollen is a foreign substance, and your body could react in different ways. Let's see what we have here. It
2: could accept or tolerate the allergen invader, sometimes using antibodies called immunoglobulin G, or IgG for short, to handle things.
0: IgGs sort of just ignore the allergen.
1: Okay, I'm here. Let's see. It's like plant dust or whatever. Who cares?
0: Sometimes,
2: though, instead, we will produce antibodies called immunoglobulin E, or IgE.
1: Okay. I'm here. Let's see. Oh, no! It's pollen! Run! Ah!
0: As you might have guessed, IgEs are the antibodies responsible for your allergy attacks.
1: What are you doing just standing here? It's pollen! Pollen!
2: Of course, the first time your body encounters this pollen, or any allergen, really, you don't have much of a reaction. Instead, those IgEs will roam around the body until they come to rest on cells known as mast cells.
1: Okay, calm down. Uh, I'll just take a seat here and... Oh, hello there.
0: You're kind of sitting on me. Mast cells have special receptors that are a perfect fit for IgEs. That's why they love to pair up.
1: Do you mind if I just stay here? You are, like, really comfy. Uh, you know it doesn't bother me? Be my guest. Over time, lots of these IgEs
2: from that initial allergen end up on mast cells, basically just hanging out there, causing no trouble. So,
1: Mast, do you watch that show Game of Bones? It's about a skeletal kingdom, Uh and it's the best. Okay. I love the characters. Mm -hmm. Except Lord Femur. He's so evil. Uh-huh. Want to hear my theory? Sure. I think the metacarpals are going to team up with tibia and fibula to take on femur. Uh
0: All is calm until the next time your body
1: encounters the allergen. Wait, is that? Oh, no. It's pollen! Whoa, is that bad? Yes, it's the worst thing ever! Ah! Okay, well then.
2: Ah! This time, the IgE is sitting on a mast cell with other IgEs, and when the allergen interacts with them, the reaction begins.
1: It's coming this way! It's touching me! Ah! Uh, what was that? I kind of released some chemicals, but it's what I do.
2: Mast cells are full of things like cytokines, proteases, and histamines. When the allergen, in this case pollen, connects with the IgE, it triggers a reaction in the mast cell that releases these things into your body.
1: I'm sure it's fine, right? Well, these are pretty powerful chemicals. Whatever. You did the right thing. Okay. I mean... It was pollen. Uh Uh-huh. I'm on your...
0: side. the histamines from the mast cells that cause your body to feel out of whack. Histamines
2: can make you itch, make your nose run, all that annoying stuff. In some cases, this reaction can even cause swelling of the throat.
1: I say we do this every time we see pollen. Sure. Show that stuff who's boss. I mean, it shouldn't be coming around here anyway.
0: Now, whether you're allergic to pollen or peanuts or mold or anything else, this is the way allergic reactions work.
2: The reaction you get is different depending on where and how the allergen got into your body.
0: Like for your nose.
2: Or your digestive tract. We're going to talk more about these reactions and how to fight them in a little bit. But first, we want to answer another question.
1: Hi, my name is Henry, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. My question is... Why are some people allergic to things and some other people aren't?
2: That's an excellent question, Henry. Now, Lily, this is something you were also interested in, too.
3: Right. So I spoke with Dr. Sarah Shake. I'm an allergist, immunologist, and rheumatologist. I work at the University of North Carolina. Why aren't all people allergic to nuts or dogs or pollen and other allergens? So scientists and doctors are working really hard to figure out the answer to that question as to why some people develop allergies and others don't. We don't have all the answers yet, but a good way to think about it is that even though each of us has two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, we all look different. Some of us have black hair and others have blonde hair. Some people have blue eyes and others have brown eyes. In the same way, everybody's body and immune system is different. Your genes are what carry the information that's passed on to you from your parents and your family. We know that children that are born into families where allergies exist have a higher chance of developing allergies themselves. But in humans, if there were changes in genes that occur, these would take hundreds of years to translate into disease. So our genes alone can't really explain why there's an increase in allergy that we're seeing over the past few decades. So that brings us to thinking about our environment. We know that many of our genes can be turned on and off by environmental factors. For example, If you get a viral infection, it can change the response of our immune system by turning some genes on and off, and this can increase the risk of allergies. And one theory about our changing environment is called the hygiene hypothesis. And this is interesting because it suggests that the immune system needs to come into contact with germs and bacteria when we're babies in order for it to respond appropriately later in life. We know also that children who come into regular contact with farm animals have a lower incidence of allergy. And so the idea is that because we've now developed a cleaner, healthier lifestyle, which is more hygienic than ever, our bodies no longer need to fight germs as much as they did in the past. So perhaps because of this, the immune system has shifted away from fighting infection to developing more allergies. But this is only one theory. The truth is we still don't know the exact cause.
0: Uh, I was hearing a lot about genetics, and Mm -hmm. I know that genetics are usually something you can inherit from somebody, like your parents Mm -hmm. or grandparents, but uh, Uh. I don't know anybody I am related to who has
3: an allergy to any of the things I'm allergic to. That's an excellent observation, and that's exactly why genes may be a part of it, but it may be essentially how your environment plays into or interacts with those genes that actually determines at the end who develops an allergy or not and by environment i just don't uh, i don't just mean you know the environment around us it also speaks to the environment that you are exposed to for example as a child did you get any infections or what specific things happened in your environment that could be different than other people so that's a that's a really uh, good observation and that's why genes can't explain the entire uh, picture
2: going to hear more from Lily's conversation with Dr. Shake in just a bit. Right now, I'm sensing you're all itching to hear a mystery sound. sound. Here it is.
4: One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi.
2: Any guesses? Uh somebody counting <laughs> yes and there was a little sound at the beginning of the mystery sound let's just hear that little sound one more time did you hear that yeah okay well we're going to be back with the answer right after this do you have a mystery sound you'd like to share with us a drawing of pollen a question you want to hear answered on the show you can send it to us at hello at org. And if you share your ideas with us, you'll get added to the Brains Honor Roll. That's what Simon did when he sent us this question.
0: My question is, what makes the colors of the sunset?
2: Listen for an answer to that question during our moment of um, and the latest group to join the Brains Honor Roll all at the end of the show. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media.
0: I'm Lily Beckhouse. And I'm Molly Bloom. You know, it's kind of ironic about your name. What do you mean? You know, Molly Bloom, like a blooming flower giving off pollen, one of the things you are allergic to? I never thought about that.
2: <laughs> I'm glad I am not allergic to my name, though. That would be kind of tough and awkward. I would sneeze every time I introduce myself. I'm Molly. Choo! Well, those of us who have allergies know a thing or two about sneezing. But have you ever stopped to think about all the different kind of sneezes out there?
5: A typical park. On a sunny day, a light breeze, flowers in bloom, families, dogs, frisbees, a beautiful scene. But for people with allergies, the scene is slightly uglier. It is a perfect storm of sneeze-inducing allergens. We're here today to catalog, capture, and commend the marvelous diversity of sneezes. Now, we wait. Here comes a potential sneezer, handkerchief in hand. This signifies sneeze proximity. <coughs> ah, the classic red-nosed exploder in its natural habitat. What else is in store? Ah, the ever elusive squeaker. What's that over there?
1: Huh?
5: And there goes the false starter. What a marvelous call it has. Ah, here comes a group, a family. Allergies run in families, so this could be a veritable cornucopia of sneezes. Ah, 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 ah. Achoo! A super wind up. A chew! Followed by a melody maker. <laughs> Capped off with a stealthy stinger. How magnificent. What a show. Oh, wait a minute. Shh. Did you hear that? Me either. That was an elusive silent sneezer. Very rare. And behind him, could it be... (coughs) The chapter book, a personal favorite. Oh, the excitement and exhilaration of a sneeze in the wild. Happy little explosions created by the noble nose. Thank you, you proud proboscis. We salute and cherish you. Goodbye, God bless, and Gazentite.
2: So Lily, how would you classify your own sneeze?
0: Uh short and straight to the
2: point. <laughs> <Achoo>. <laughs> I like it. I'm definitely, I think, the exploder. Do you have a favorite kind of sneeze? Kitten sneezes. What's a kitten sneeze? Like cute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cutest sneeze I ever heard. <laughs> well, if any of our listeners can think of other sneezes, we would love to hear those too. You could send us a recording of the sneeze and what you would name it at hello at brainson.org.
0: Sneezes are one way your body can react to an allergen.
2: When you breathe in pollen, you're only getting a tiny bit of the protein you're allergic to, so the reaction isn't necessarily that severe.
0: But if you're allergic and you eat a peanut or get a bee sting, you're
2: getting a larger dose of that protein, and the effects can be more severe.
0: These severe reactions are called anaphylaxis. Dr.
2: Joseph Hernandez from Stanford explained that anaphylaxis is when you have a reaction in more than one organ system at once.
6: So it usually means that you have symptoms on your skin, so that's probably the most common thing that's involved. So breaking out in hives, itching, then also respiratory symptoms, so coughing, shortness of breath, wheezing, and asthma. Attack or problems with your gastrointestinal system, so uh, developing abdominal pain, vomiting, etc., or having uh, changes in your circulatory system, low blood pressure, an increased heart rate, something like that.
2: I know all of that sounds bad, and it is, but before you totally freak out, there's something I want you to hear. Let's get back to that mystery sound.
4: One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi.
2: So any other guesses?
0: Uh, I think it's an EpiPen.
2: Yes, it is an EpiPen. You got it. People who have serious allergies usually carry around an EpiPen with them in case they find themselves having an anaphylactic reaction. It looks like a big, fat pen, but inside is a needle that delivers a shot of epinephrine
6: basically adrenaline. So the important things that it does during anaphylaxis is that it can decrease some of the dilation of your blood vessels that happens. And so that'll help people that have low blood pressure as a result of anaphylaxis. It can help reopen your airways and it decreases the leakiness of blood vessels that happens in anaphylaxis too, which can decrease a lot of the swelling and the hives and even some of the swelling that may happen in your um, mouth and throat and things.
2: This helps your body deal with the reaction until your body works the protein's out of your system. Lily do you have an EpiPen? Yes. Have you ever had to use
0: it? No that is my life goal to never have to use an EpiPen.
2: (laughs) That is an excellent goal and you are not alone when it comes to having these severe allergies like peanut allergies. In fact they've become increasingly common in the United States. About three million people in the U.S. have allergies to peanuts and tree nuts.
0: We've asked Dr. Sarah Shake why so many people are allergic to peanuts.
3: So peanuts are among the eight food types that are referred to as the big eight. These are foods that cause over 90% of all food-related allergic reactions in the United States. Uh, The list of these foods are peanuts, tree nuts, milk, egg, wheat, soy, fish, and shellfish. All of these foods contain special proteins, specifically peanuts too, and the structure of these proteins is what stimulates a strong reaction by the immune system. Now these proteins are very stable and they're resistant to heat, to enzymes, and also uh, resistant to food preparation and digestion. An important thing to remember is that if you have a peanut allergy, peanut in any and every form must be avoided because it can cause an allergic reaction. But the allergenicity of the peanut protein can be changed by various cooking methods. For example, dry roasting peanuts at high temperatures can change the shape of the peanut protein, and this causes chemical changes in the protein, which makes it more allergenic compared to peanuts in the raw form. In Western countries like the United States, where the the way that peanuts are prepared is by dry roasting, the, the rate of peanut allergy is on the rise, and if you look at countries like China, China, where predominantly peanuts are either fried or boiled, they don't have that same increase in the rate uh, of peanut allergies. And there is thought as to maybe that could be one of the reasons um, why, you know, here in Western countries, we're seeing that rise in peanut allergy. The truth is nobody really knows for sure, but that's certainly an observation that scientists and doctors have made. But again, if you have a peanut allergy, peanut in any form is to be avoided.
0: I can see what you mean because I've had things that are roasted in peanut oil and actually uh-huh. not, without knowing it and had no reaction
3: even though I am allergic to peanuts. So that's a that's also a really interesting observation about peanut oil there are people who are allergic to peanuts who can safely consume foods that are made with highly refined peanut oil because that peanut oil has been purified and then refined and then bleached and deodorized. And all of this removes the peanut protein from the oil. And that's why you may observe that even though you're allergic, you can tolerate that. However, the unrefined peanut oil, which is also sometimes referred to as cold-pressed peanut oil or gourmet peanut oil, still contains the peanut protein, and that needs to be avoided.
0: What treatments are being
3: developed for peanut and food allergies? So the current treatments that are being developed are types of what we call immunotherapy. The idea with allergy shots is to take weeds or dust mite or whatever you may be allergic to, but to take tiny microscopic amounts of that and prepare what we call immunotherapy for you. And this immunotherapy is unique to the person that's receiving it and involves building up tiny amounts of that into your body over time so that eventually your immune system is able to tolerate it. But This is only for uh, symptoms of hay fever and for environmental allergies at this time. The good news is that the first peanut powder treatments are currently now in big clinical trials or clinical studies, um, and it's not The same as taking a tiny bite out of a peanut because one whole peanut contains a significant amount of peanut protein. So this is microscopic amounts that really you wouldn't be able to do um, or even see with your eyes. So this is something that has to be done in a very, very specialized experimental research setting with trained doctors, nurses, research staff available because, you know, there's a really, really high risk of allergic reaction occurring we are anticipating that in the next few years, depending on how these studies go and what results come from them, we might have something uh, available. But that's probably still a few years from now. But again, it's it's a lot of progress from where we've come. Thanks,
0: Dr. Sheikh, for talking with me today.
3: Oh, of course. You're welcome. Allergic
2: reactions happen when your body develops certain antibodies to proteins found in things like pollen or peanuts.
0: Scientists aren't 100% sure why allergies are so common, but they think it might be a combination of different factors, your genes and your environment.
2: Many of our genes can be turned on or off by environmental factors, which change the response of our immune system and may increase the risk of developing allergies.
0: Scientists are working on developing immunotherapies to help Fight these allergies, which can help make allergic reactions less severe or get rid of them altogether.
2: That's it for this episode of Brains On.
0: Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandon Tawen, and Molly Bloom,
2: and we had production help from Emily Bright. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Many thanks to Rachel Dunn, Dr. Mark Lachey, Dr. Amal Assad, Rob Holliday, John Zuko, Dave Fender, Maria Garcia Yoret, Tony Pang. Nancy Call Martinez, Tracy Mumford, Nancy Yang, Eric Ringham, and a big fat Brains On thanks to Jonathan Call Martinez and Sophie Pang for doing the voices and bringing cells to life. High five, guys.
0: If you're a fan of Brains On, consider leaving a review in iTunes. It really helps other kids and parents find out about the show.
2: And you can always keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at brains underscore on. And we're on Facebook, too. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of um... Um, 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 um,
0: um, Hi, my name is Simon. I'm from Montreal, Canada. My question is, what makes the colors of the sunset?
4: The sunsets have to do with both the light that's coming from the sun and the fact that it's passing through our atmosphere. So, my name is Derek Velez, and I teach physics and astronomy at the high school level at St. Paul's School in New Hampshire. When we look up at the sky and we see the sun, we're seeing white light coming to us from the sun. And white light is really a combination of all the colors of light coming to us at the same time. But as the light passes through our atmosphere, the blue side of the light spectrum, the smaller wavelengths, bounce and get scattered by our atmosphere. So they get sent in all random directions. So when we look off to the side, away from the sun, some of that blue light is getting scattered to us from that side. So that's why the sky looks blue during the day. However, as the sun is getting closer to setting, it starts to pass through more of our atmosphere because it's at a lower angle. So, because it's passing through more of our atmosphere, it has more time for that blue light to get deflected and scattered in all of the other directions. So the only light that makes it to us, or most of the light that makes it to us, is red or orange or yellow or all the other colors other than blue. And so now that part of the sky closer to the sun at sunset and at sunrise is going to look a lot more colorful, a lot redder.
2: The sun is about to set on this episode, but not before I read the latest group of names to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. These are the kids who inspire each and every episode with the questions they send us. We consider all of you part of the Brains On team. Emma from Jacksonville, Florida Colette from Costa Rica Avery from Glen Rock, New Jersey Violet from Portland, Oregon Bodie from Ventura, California Naomi from Santa Ana, California Margot from Lafayette, Colorado Ainsley, Annika, and Kian from Winchester, England Zora Piper from Berlin, Germany Brock from Boise, Idaho Simone from Syracuse, New York Clover from Oregon Lucy from Adelaide, Australia Henry from Brookline, Massachusetts Cohen from Bloomington, Minnesota Oliver and Cara from Minnetonka, Minnesota Solomon from Nevada Edry from Charlottesville, Virginia Acacia from Silver Spring, Maryland. Liam from Ontario. Winston, Elliot, and Piper from South Portland, Maine. Elias from Durham, North Carolina. Juliana from Woodbridge, New Jersey. Cooper and Mason from Austin, Texas. Vesper from Chandler, Arizona. Emil from Portland, Oregon. Abigail from Nashville. Caleb, Jack, and Lou from North Branch, Minnesota. Mason from Bartow, Florida. Ethan and Zoe from Middlesex, New Jersey. Alexander, Miles, Julia, and Benjamin from Lafayette, Colorado. Violet from Saint Petersburg, Florida. Troy from Charlotte, North Carolina. Felix from Buffalo, New York. Jackson from Fresno, California. Xander from Am. Hearst, New Hampshire, June from St. Paul, Molly and Sam from Newbury, Massachusetts, Ari from Australia, George from London, William from Florida, Elizabeth from Columbia, Maryland, and Petra from Portland, Oregon. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions.
0: Thanks for listening.
4: ba ba brains on.